Stacey V here, and you're listening to a series of romantic events, where I give you my feedback and rundown of a different romance novel series every two weeks. For our sixth episode, we'll be taking a trip to Temptation and Beyond, as I review the Dempsey series by Jennifer Cruzy. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm hoping your socially distanced turkey day was still, well, eventful. Uh, mine was smaller than... <laughs> normal. I actually, it's so interesting because this book series that I read, uh, The Dempsey's by Jennifer Cruzy had a lot of people in it. And I don't mean like a lot, like, I don't know. Sometimes when you read a book, they're always bad characters, right? You always have other people that live down the street and like neighbors. This series had a lot of people whose personalities meant something, right? And their storyline meant something. And I always get, not tripped up, but w- when there's more than maybe eight or nine people that I have to constantly keep track of in order to see how their storylines um, go through and or their lives unravel or just how the plot fits in, sometimes I lose track of some characters that, that may be too similar in nature. Um, but it, it really did remind me of Thanksgiving and how there are just so many people involved and a lot of different personalities that have to be uh, drawn in um or reined in <laughs> as the case may be so it was, it was it was like having a thanksgiving without having a full-on thanksgiving um yeah so the the, the overall dempsey series is well it's, it, it's about um two sisters and their brother right and the first one is called welcome to temptation and it's about the original sister the, the two sisters um they go to temptation in order to record a movie uh, for, for a woman that they did the wedding for, right? So they're, they're these videographers. So they show up to do this movie. Amy, the younger sister, knows that this is probably going to be some sort of, like, uh, light porn video. And the older sister just thinks, oh, okay, like, it's just going to be a general movie. I know we're not doing weddings, but this is a good way to kind of branch out and add other um, uh, uh, specialties to our business. Okay. Uh, the book starts off and they get into a car accident because they were busy trying to film something continuously without having to stop at a stop sign. Uh-huh. And so as they cruise on through a stop sign, they hit somebody. Okay. And then on the other side of town, we have the mayor, Phineas Tucker, who it turns out was named Phineas Tucker after his father. And we think after his grandfather and, you know, his father before him. So they've all been mayor. And so here he is, and I think he's in his late 20s or early 30s, somewhere in there. He's the mayor. He doesn't super love his job, but he knows his mom loves that he has the job, so he keeps the job. He also has a daughter, and his wife is dead, but it seems like they don't have any... He he wasn't in love with her in a sense that he feels like this great sense of loss. His daughter, Dilly, is nine. And I think she was honestly only added in order to, you know, add some charm to the story. He hates his job, and, and we get introduced to all of these characters who happen to be on the board um, th- that he has to kind of go through in order to get things approved. And we also learn that since it's such a small town, the stuff that gets approved is, like, super basic, right? We want to change the lights on the streets, but not because they're, like... It's not because they don't work. It's because they want to have a more classical feel, right? The the water tower needs to be painted because it kind of looks like <laughs> it looks slightly phallic and we need to change the color of it, right? So just su- super basic stuff. He doesn't like it. He's not super happy where is it, where he is. And his mother is just ready for him to get married, right? So Dilly's there. She's nine and he's a widower. 
Um, and so there's a secretary there who's, I think in her early twenties, basically he babysat her when she was a kid and the girl's mother, as well as his own mother, have been trying to push them together to get married. He knows he's never going to marry her. The secretary knows that she's never going to marry him. She wants to get out of the town. Okay. So that's the basic setup. And you have those two get in a car accident. And of course, they call the cops. And it turns out that the head of the police department, um, or I guess the sheriff in the town, is really good friends with the mayor. So when he shows up, Phineas shows up, and he meets Sophie, right? So Sophie is our heroine and also happens to be the sister to Amy. She likes him immediately. He likes her, but she's had some sort of bad dealings with town boys and just the idea that she thinks he's not going to be, you know, a good idea for her. And she's also leaving town soon. There's really no need and she's just not interested. Okay. So this entire book was, it was super funny. It was very witty. It kind of put me back on the books after those last two series that I didn't super love. Um, but like I said, there was a lot of entangling of characters, right? You get a lot of from this board that um, people are kind of just weird, right? Uh, they really want Phineas to marry the secretary. Her mother is convinced that they're going to have, you know, great children together. And she just needs to get it together because she's always going to live in the town. Um, Stephanie is her name. She's about to lose her mind if she has to stay there one more year. She's just ready to get out. Um, you have the person who's record who for whom they are recording the movie, she was married, of course, because they did her wedding. Um, but the man was cheating on her and she's not really into him anymore. She's trying to find somebody else who can give her a lot of money because, of course, she's a money hungry chick. Um, but then the husband shows up and, you know, you, you're going to take me back and we're going to be together because I have all your money. And then we meet Davy, who is Amy and Sophie's brother. So he shows up. Um, and, and he also knows the woman for whom they were producing um, a movie. Uh, so Clea is her name. And Clea had already dated Davy at one point. But of course, Davy didn't have any money. She saw it as a dead end. She left him. So <laughs> he's out for not really revenge, but kind of sort of because he doesn't super like her. Clea is really upset that her husband is here, but also that Davy is here. And she's busy throwing herself at some guy that she thought she would like in high school. Turns out he doesn't look great, but his son looks just like he did when he was a kid. So she's throwing herself at the son. Ugh. And then on the other side of that, you have several people on the board um, who are married to each other. But now they're throwing themselves at the husband of Clea. Uh, you know, and so one of them is like sleeping with him. Like it's just there's there's so much going on. It's like a soap opera almost. Um, and so th th there's a lot of setup that you have to get through, which is just kind of difficult in the beginning because there's a lot of, okay, what was this character's name? Okay, what is their arc? What's their personality? And trying to hold on to that as they reintroduce them throughout the book. So other than like the initial pickup and having to keep up with, okay, who are you? What's your name again? <laughs> who is your kid? How are you related? Um, it was, it was a pretty good uh, flowing story. Sophie and Phineas, in my opinion, didn't get enough screen time, uh, book time to focus on their relationship and what was happening. Um, I didn't feel like I was missing anything, but I still felt like the story was drifting. Um, in one way or another to other characters in order to try to build up their relationship and have you understand why does he hate to be mayor, but also how these town people can get involved in pretty much anything and start rumors or not. Um, uh, Phineas's mother finds out and she basically confronts Sophie and says, yeah, like he doesn't have any money and I know you're just after his money and you're not worth anything. He needs a wife. Like it's this whole thing. She just shows up randomly. Phineas gets mad. He goes to see his mom. 
He's like, you know, I'll cut you off. I don't know. You, you don't definitely, you definitely don't need to be raising our grandchild, our, my grandchild, your grandchild <laughs> by yourself. And we don't have to live here. We can go live over the bookstore because he also happens to own a bookstore and she's just not having it. <sighs> There's just so many, like, just not even plot twists, but just a lot of stuff that comes out, right? You find out that his ex-wife, she died because she fell off a step and like hit her head or something. But we, it's still suspicious whether or not she was murdered. Um, we suspect that the mom had paid her off in order to not be around anymore because her mom didn't think she was worthy of Phineas. And just so much messy stuff. Amy and Sophie and Davy's dad was also some sort of like hustler. So the three of them just have this gene of like, <laughs> messing over people and, you know, taking people's money and, um, 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 just kind of taking advantage of a situation when they can. And so Sophie, of course, learns this and she, she doesn't treat Phineas in a bad way. It's just kind of, she tries her hardest not to run game on people. Let's go with that. Um, and then, then there's a murder in the middle of the book and Sophie gets framed and everyone doesn't know, you know, who did it? Why is he dead? And because of course nobody likes the guy. And so now the sheriff is running around trying to investigate, but he knows that everybody's lying. It's just like a lot of back and forth, um, a, a lot of mini plots, but it, it was fine because all of the smaller plots kind of led to the bigger plot, right? And the bigger romance story. So at least from that perspective, it was good because it showed you, okay, um, these people didn't have a happy marriage. This is why Phineas and Sophie are going to make it because they are more honest with each other, right? Or these two people didn't make it because one was only after their money, but Phineas doesn't have any money and Sophie doesn't really care about money. In fact, she's against it. Um, and same thing, right, uh, with another couple who has this child who really wants to leave the city. She meets the producer of the movie, decides he can get her out of the town. <sighs> He's like in his early 40s, I'm sure. And she's exactly 20, which not super okay with, but okay. Um, and, and just how that manifests, right? Like, okay, there's this huge age gap, but they seem to love each other. Yeah, there are a lot of weeds and a lot of small plots, like I said, but the book was very funny and it didn't take itself too seriously. And that's saying something because it was definitely, like I said, there was a murder in it. So <laughs> very interesting to find yourself laughing at someone dying in the middle of a book. <laughs> so there you go. And and of course, the book ends off with Sophie and Phineas together and a couple of other relationships that I found slightly unexpected so that was good uh welcome to temptation which was the first one and then at the end of it we find out that davy has taken um clea's money a lot of it like several mil um he's taken it and he's just like absconded um because the house they were staying in was technically clea's house sophie decided she wanted it she decided she wanted to stay she wanted Phineas. she wanted the whole nine davy decided she's my sister love her a lot I will blackmail Clea <laughs> and make her sell the house for a song. And so he did. And then he absconded with the money. And it was very interesting. So it was, it was a natural lead into the second book, which was faking it, um, about Davy and Matilda. But I didn't find myself like overly anticipating it, right? I, I wasn't like, oh, wow, like I can't wait to start the second book to figure out what he did with the money. Um, because they didn't focus in a lot in the first book on how on how his background was, right? So I, I wasn't as curious as I was, you know, in, in that first series that we read um, by Kathy Love where the guy ran off after he tried to kill his brother, you know, and uh, ha had all this revelation at the end. It, it, it wasn't that level of curiosity. It was just kind of like, oh, Davey ran off. Like, I hope he's okay. Um, but it, it was a nice lead-in, though. So it, 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 
it gave me what I needed, where I felt like I knew enough about the character that he could hold his own in his own book. But also enough that I wasn't un- un- unexpected when the book started off. So faking it, of course, is about David a- after he absconds <laughs> and he ends up in the middle of Ohio. Because Clea has taken some of her money back. So Clea takes some of her money back and he is very curious as to how it, how it happened because he had a money manager. And the money manager isn't getting back in contact with him. He hasn't heard from him in you know, a long time. So he heads on over to Ohio because after calling him, the guy says, yeah, like you stole Clea's money. Like we're in love. We're going to be together. He's like, of course she said that to you. She says that to everyone, but you don't have any money and you also don't have a weak heart. So then we find out that Clea has murdered, not murdered, not murdered. Murdered is a strong word. It's more like she finds old guys with money and weak hearts and they just end up dying. There we go. Um, so they'll either have heart attacks or some sort of like medical issue and she just won't call the cops, which is kind of murder, but she doesn't define it that way. Anyway, so he says to the money manager, who's a young guy, right? Like, you're not going to be it, right? You think you're in love with her. She's just in love with money. She's probably, you know, running her scam on someone else. So he asks the guy, right? Who is the guy that's older with a weak heart that she's talking to at the same time she's talking to you? Um, it dawns on the guy, but he still doesn't care, right? The money manager's like, no, like, we're going to be together. You stole her money. This is what you get. Yada, 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 yada. Davey's not having it. He's like, fine, tell me where you are. And he basically tricks him into telling him where he is. Okay. So now here Davey is in the middle of Ohio somewhere. And he finds where Clea is staying. At the same time, there is this woman, Matilda. She is the youngest of two um, sisters. And... They own an art gallery with their mother, right? So their father is dead, but they own, a, they own an art gallery with their mother. And at this art gallery, it turns out her father was selling forgeries, right? So he was saying, like, things were Van Gogh's, but they weren't. Um, they were all done by <laughs> their family. And um, this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like, we find out that they have all this artwork in the basement of of how the family's been forging, forging since forever, um, and even to the point that someone sold it, not, not to Hitler, um, Mussolini, right? That, that someone sold a forgery to Mussolini from this family. It's been going on for forever. So while she's out, um, Sophie, because, so, not Sophie, uh, Matilda, because she keeps like the whole family together while she's out selling off a mural or doing what she does, her niece, who is her sister Eve's daughter, Nadine, is, kind of looking through the pieces and helping sell things at the art gallery but there's some things they don't sell because they're trying not to do forgeries anymore a woman shows up very interested in a specific piece and Nadine's like oh wow yeah no we do have a piece like that she describes it to her she takes it downstairs she shows her the piece the woman says oh yes I want to buy it she wasn't willing to sell it she basically sold it for a thousand dollars okay Nadine's excited. She tells her aunt, she tells her mom, she tells her grandmother, and they all get super worried because it turns out that this is one of six paintings. It's one of like the biggest forgeries they've ever done. So now Matilda needs to get it back. She needs to go over there. She's going to try to steal it because the lady is not willing to sell it back. Okay. So she shows up at the same mansion at the same time that Davy is getting there. All right. She shows up. She's looking around for it. She hops in the closet. He is already in the closet. So, like, he's like, oh, you know, shh, you need to be quiet. What are you doing here, lady? Um, and she basically doesn't say anything because obviously she doesn't. I don't know you. What are you talking about? He covers her mouth and he's like, okay, like, it's okay. Like, who are you? What are you doing here? Um, they end up making out for some reason. I, okay. And, <laughs> and 
he just says okay you're clearly new at this because she tries to get him using her feminine wiles she tries to get him to steal a painting for her and he's like you're not even this flirting technique needs a lot of work a lot of work but it works somehow uh they end up making out and he's like okay i'll go ahead and i'll steal the painting for you she describes it as best as she can she runs off he shows up at a cafe uh, about an hour later with a painting. She's super excited. It's the right size. She can see kind of like the, the sky in the background because, of course, it's covered. Um, so she's excited. This is the right one. Thank you so much. He asks, what does she need it for? She doesn't tell him. He kind of like breaks out the back uh, door. And so she has to pay for the dinner or whatever it is that they order. Fine. He, of course, follows her um, because we learned in the last book, they are a bunch of con men. He and his family and they're a bunch of forgers, her and hers. So. Wow, two peas in the pot. He follows her back to the art gallery where he sees that they have an open room for rent. Okay, so he pops in, of course, doesn't bump into her, bumps into like her grandmother and says, hey, can I rent a room? She says, okay. She rents him out the room. All right. He heads on upstairs. And in the meantime, Matilda's talking to her family like, hey, like he got me the painting back. Then she pulls off the top and realizes this is one of the paintings, but this is not the painting, right? Turns out the guy had another one of the six paintings. So it's good that they got this one back, but that just brings up a bigger point, right? They only had that one painting in the basement. They need to get back the other five, preferably. Okay, so the rest of the family says, okay, do you think you can find him? Like he did such, I mean, he didn't do a great job, but he did do a job that we didn't know we needed done. She's like, he's long gone. I don't know. Whatever. Meanwhile, here he is up in his room. Um, and he's told the grandmother, Hey, like my friend's going to drop by. He's going to bring the rest of the money. He's going to wire it to you. Don't worry about it. I have it. I'm good for it. Fine. He's standing in the room. Matilda shows up to drop off towels to their new tenant. Finds out it's him, drops the towels. And it's like, what are you doing here? He's like, I mean, obviously I told you. She's like, you stalked me. He's like, I mean, if you want to give it labels. Anyway, so now she says, well, fine. I mean, since you're here, just steal the rest of the paintings for me. And he's like, what is going on? You didn't get the right one. I got what you described it to me. Uh, it's a fight. Whatever. Cool. He decides and agrees. Okay, I'll go back over there. We'll take another painting. It'll be just fine. Perfect. They show up again. So, of course, in the meantime, in this house, we have Clea, who, you know, from the previous book, who's throwing herself at this guy who does all this artwork and has all this money. She's not doing as well as she did with her previous relationships, not just because she's, like, approaching 40, um, because she still looks just as good as she did for the past 20 years, but because he wants, like, a, a full-time wife as as the book doesn't say, but that's what I got from it, right? He wants someone who can cook. He wants someone who can clean. He wants someone who can have conversations with him. But Clea is just beautiful. Like, that's it. That's all she got. She doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. She just, she's a trophy wife in, in a real meaning of the words. Um, so she's not doing so well. And he is trying to get with, um, Gwen Goodnight, which is Matilda's grandmother, which is Matilda's mother. Because <clears throat> he really likes the art gallery. He was really good friends with her, her dead husband, Tony. And he just thinks, okay, like, this is going to be perfect. Gwen's such a nice woman. She'll be able to cook for me. She'll be able to talk to me. It's going to be wonderful. So they keep kind of inviting him out, Gwen and Tony, so that they can keep going into the house to try to knock him off. They go back in. They end up making out in the closet again. And they also end up stealing the wrong painting <laughs> again. Um, and so now we, we have, and, and, and it's not even one of the six. It turns out that this one is one of um, uh, another one of their forgeries, but not one of the six by Scarlet, right? So it turns out that Scarlet has a father named Homer, who also was a for, they also forged those, right? 
So they stole a Homer, not a Scarlet, but thank goodness they also stole that one. Wonderful. In the meantime, the FBI is investigating Clea because it's super suspicious that every single one of her husbands has died so far, obviously. And so they're tailing her to try to figure out what's going on. Now the Dempsey's realize this, well, Dempsey being Davy, but Matilda and her family realize this, the Goodnights realize this, and they're trying to make sure that even though the FBI is there and kind of on the case, that they don't get caught. Okay. Davy's friend shows up and is all about um, Matilda's sister, Eve, who happens to be Louise on specific nights at a club. And he doesn't know that Eve and Louise are the same person because she puts on a wig and has on contacts, whatever. So he's sleeping with her. And that's how we find out that he's FBI. And they think Davy may be FBI. Ridiculous. So now Clea realizes that her future quote unquote husband is after going good night. And she wants that taken care of. So she calls the money manager. Um, You remember the money manager from the beginning of the book that Davy had hired. She calls him and he's like, oh, hey, babe, you know what's going on? And she's like, oh, I need you to take care of this problem for me. Gwen Goodnight is an issue. I need you to handle it. Uh, So he hires a hitman. A hitman who is also FBI. Um, so, so she hires a hitman and he's saying, okay, so what do you need me to do? But she would never say the words like, I need you to kill him, right? She's just like, just watch him, watch him, watch him closely. So he, his name is Ford. He also goes to the art gallery and rents a different room. And he's like, you know, talking to Gwen and, you know, nice to... He's just really nice to her. And she wa- she realizes that she also doesn't want to be a part of the art gallery anymore. She really wants to leave. And she's tired, very tired, of, um, of, of Clea's future husband coming around and bringing up old stuff and wanting her to kind of marry him, be with him. Oof. <sighs> They're also in serious debt, the art gallery is. So someone surprisingly pays off all the debts. She thinks it's this guy. And she's like, okay, maybe I should marry him, right? Maybe I can see myself in a future like this, even though she hated her husband, Tony, and she hated the way that he made people forge stuff and forced her and or her daughters um, into making all these paintings. But she feels like that's the only that's the only future she can see for herself, even though she really does want to get out of there. Nice lady. The book, same thing. Like it just it had a lot of characters that you have to kind of keep in the air. There are a lot of balls up in the air at one time, but it all leads to that same singular plot of, okay. We're doing all these forgeries. We're trying to collect the paintings. And at the same time, she's trying to get this guy to marry her. And he's super interested in the art gallery. So while he's busy poking around and trying to take over, she's trying to get him to marry her and also trying to get them murdered. So the FBI have a lot to investigate, even though they're not very aware that they should be investigating the good nights um and so the plot kind of goes on from there that davy and matilda are trying to get the rest of these five paintings back because they're not all owned by clea and her future fiance so they end up going to different houses and buying back the paintings and acting right so he's like okay if i show up to the door and i call you betty right if i show up to the door and i call you veronica here's how you need to act in response and we'll be able to get you know the paintings for a good cheap price so they're running around and (laughs) getting the paintings for, for for basically a song and there's one guy who was super difficult at like some sort of market and so he had to bring in Nadine in order to play like a dumb teenager who was, you know, ch- trying to get rid of something in order to trick him into giving them the painting for free. And wow. So that by far was the highlight of the book, them going around trying to get these paintings back. And 
even him trying to get her to admit what's going on because he he doesn't know exactly that she's forging things but he does know that something's going on for them to need all five of these paintings back right something deep and she won't share and same same thing she has her own furniture and paintings that she was making but she wasn't allowed to sell them because they look so close to the forgeries that she was doing when she was a kid so it's a lot of them hiding that secret. Davy not really trying to hide that he's some sort of con man. Uh, there's this running arc throughout the book that you can either be a muffin or you could be a donut. Uh, and that's the way you describe Ben. So if I decide <laughs> to only th- define the men in these books as muffin or donuts, you know where that came from. So a muffin is, it, it's not as, you know, glazed or it's glamorous as a donut. But the point is that a couple of days later, it still tastes the same, right? It's still a good, reliable muffin. Whereas a donut is great that, that first night, right? And if you don't get a donut, you regret it and you go back and get it anyway. It's great that first night, but those next couple of days, it's, you know, it gets hard. The glaze isn't as nice and it doesn't last over time right so they define the men as being donuts or muffins which i thought was super cute it was it was a nice um subtle add-in uh but the the book ended of course is uh davy and matilda getting together but uh a, a lot of the different plot points in between of them finding themselves in closets and buying back the paintings and the fbi the fbi the fbi and we don't really know who actually works with the fbi and who doesn't we end up having like I, I think two agents and a bunch of consults but it's just it's very interesting to see like okay but if you all work for the fbi why does it feel like none of you know each other <laughs> okay fun book fun series definitely would recommend definitely staying on the shelf i'd read these uh when i was i think 15 or 16 i just i I couldn't i didn't remember how much i enjoyed them so they will be sticking around and i'll definitely be reading more jennifer cruzy i just i don't think she has any more series unfortunately so that's ugh, a lot of her stuff is just standalone but that's it for this episode of the podcast join me back here in two weeks when we start reading holiday-themed books, starting off with the O'Neill Brothers series by Sarah Morgan.